Welcome back to Subject to Cross. I'm one of your hosts, Caroline Donato. And I'm one of your other hosts, <laughs> Pete Kratza. Pete, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about um, one collateral uh, area of practice that, that we um, frequently encounter. What does collateral mean? Do you want like the Merriam-Webster definition? The practical definition. Uh, related investigation. In other words, it's not the criminal case, but it'll be something collateral or uh, adjunct to the criminal case. And that is uh, CYF investigations. Uh, I can never figure out what um, uh, what's the word when you, when you take the first word of the uh, first letter of each word. Acronym? Acronym. Jeez. I, had I haven't had lunch. So I can never figure out what acronym they they uh, are currently using. It's either CYF, which CPS. is Children, Youth, and Family, CYS, Children, Youth Services, but basically... CPS, Child okay, Protective I, I Services. Think, I think they get the point. <laughs> um, when someone is accused of, quote-unquote, child abuse, which can take many forms. Um, child abuse can be physical abuse, it can be neglect, it can be a, a sexual offense. Um, from the most egregious uh, allegations to even things that are, quite frankly, on their face ludicrous. And I'll talk about that. Um, there can be a CYF investigation, which is initiated by a mandated reporter, normally, um, uh, to uh, uh, what's called Childline, which is a, a you know a, a phone system where they say so and so you know I'm I am a, a teacher or I am a therapist and someone has uh, brought to my attention that so and so may have been um, uh, offended against child I'm um, you know in in um, conjunction with my mandated reporting status I'm reporting this. Can I? take a step back and also yeah, sure. I checked my email so you might have said this but I don't know it just felt really dragged out and I want <laughs> to oh, look right. at it from a birth well, you asked me the question I know and I regretted it oh. <laughs> um, no I didn't regret it but I do want to kind of give an example um, there is five year old uh, Sally and Sally goes into school with uh, pre pre preschool and Sally's got a bruise on her leg and the teacher says preschool teacher says what happened to you sally and sally says my dad hit me well sally's preschool teacher is a mandated reporter of potential abuse there is no discretion for that preschool teacher to to say to investigate further to see whether or not what sally is saying is credible and that preschool teacher has to call Childline, and that opens up an investigation in whatever county that allegation happened in with cyf or CPS, or CYS, whatever you call it, the acronym. It's it's Children Youth Services to investigate whether or not a child was in fact abused. And other examples of mandated reporters aren't just teachers, preschool, middle school, high school coaches. I think anybody coaches, that has therapists, contact with children. There, but there are certain mandated reporters that just have no ability to use discretion. They have to make that call. And, you know, this whole concept of mandated reporters uh, really arose out of the Penn State Sandusky case um, and probably other cases. But the point is that they they have now, that is the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, have 
open people up to potential criminal charges if they do not uh, comport with their mandated reporting requirements. So human nature being what it is, um, that has led to an outrageous hypersensitivity, uh, I would submit, covering your own backside um, in terms of people reporting just sometimes trivial um, uh, allegations. Um, I represent a fair amount of teachers, and uh, in that um, context, I, I represent teachers that are accused, you know, during a school day of quote-unquote child abuse. Um, ex I can't get into specific examples, but, you know, just um, for instance, I'll give uh, an example of a case that I didn't have, but a, uh, an analogy, I think we call that. We've covered an or anachronism. We've covered an acronym. I'm really concerned acronym. about you. <laughs> I think my blood sugar is low. Or these masks are cutting off oxygen to me, my brain. <laughs> like, but really concerned. For instance, you know, uh, a child is, is running in the hallway and the teacher uh, grabs them to prevent them from running down steps or falling down steps. And they have a mark on their arm and they get reported to CYS. And there no, there's no dispute in terms of why they grabbed the child's arm. It was to, you know, prevent them from falling down the steps. They're just asinine. Um, and and it's unfortunate. It's another example, and I've mentioned this undoubtedly on a prior episode. An overcorrection. We have overcorrections in our criminal justice system and in our you know in our in our justice system generally. And it takes us a while to get back to equilibrium. You know what? That's interesting that you you said it. I didn't really consider that. You do represent a lot of teachers, and I represent a lot of parents. For some reason, it kind of mm -hmm. you get the teachers, and I get the parents. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason for that, but, you know. Oh, what is that? Well, um, I... Bedside manner? No. <laughs> it's through their union. Oh, the union. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, and the other, so that's the teacher angle of it, but the parent angle of it, a lot of times we see CYF investigations in the context of a custody dispute. So mom and dad are separated or they're divorced. Mom, it's, it, I've never had it where... Mom was invested. Well, I've had a couple actually, but usually mom is the one who calls in or propels the call in for a CYF investigation into dad and CYF investigates or dad. vice versa. I know, but usually it's oh, right. eight times out of 10, four, four times out of five. Okay. It's that way. It's, I've had a couple. That's I've the same thing. Four times out of five. I know. I, I, you know, I, I know that because I've been doing a lot of seventh grade math lately. <laughs> You sure you want bees, bees, uh, teachers? teachers to hear this? I don't care. <laughs> well, th the point is that in the context of a custody dispute, I mean, the credibility uh, is also something to to consider here. But CYF gets involved, and when there's an ongoing custody battle in court, CYF's involvement hurts dad's custody rights or mom's custody rights, whoever is the accused in the CYF situation. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of times it's used as leverage, right? Right. Um, well, let me, the, what caught my attention was an article that was originally published November 18th of last year uh, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, Samantha Melamed. Um, Thousands in PA are put on a child abuse registry with no hearing. 
Uh, I'm not going to read the entire article, but I'll borrow from it. Uh, the article starts with, in October 2018, a gym teacher noticed marks on the youngest of April McBride's four children, her eight-year-old daughter. A child welfare worker was called. The girl told a social worker her parents had punished her for acting out in school by hitting her with a belt, according to case documents. McBride was never charged with a crime and insists the spanking was actually administered by the father while she was at work. A child abuse scan at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia revealed no history of injury or neglect. Her sons were never removed from her house, and her daughter, who now lives with her father, still visits McBride frequently. But a month after the incident, McBride received a notice. A notice. That was like the Delco in me. Noticed. Received a notice. She'd been placed on Pennsylvania's child abuse registry. It was before they did any investigation. They didn't have any proof. They didn't have testimony from a doctor or a nurse, she said. How can they put somebody on the registry before an actual court date? Thousands of people in Pennsylvania are placed on that registry each year for allegations of child abuse or neglect after only preliminary investigations and unless they appeal within a 90-day window with no hearing. If they miss the window, they're on the list for life. You want to talk about that now? Yeah. Um, so oftentimes these CYF investigations are in hand, hand in hand with a criminal investigation. And that's why this episode kind of follows nicely from the anatomy of a case episode. That's the beginning of a criminal case. The criminal side has a certain burden. That's probable cause, whether or not uh, the incident happened um, and the accused is the one who did it. And CYF has a different burden, but it's, it's somewhat similar. It, they have to prove substantial evidence of abuse to put somebody on the child line registry. CYF has a 30- or 60-day window to make that determination and to conduct their investigation. Usually it's 60 days. And it's, it's usual if you have a child that is saying, my mom or dad or this teacher did something, CYF tends to err on the side of caution. Even if you have a child who has a lot of psychological problems or intellectual problems and they make an accusation against another adult who says, well, I didn't do this and here's why I didn't do this and I wouldn't have done this, CYF will err on the side, tends to err on the side of caution and say you're still, notwithstanding that denial and notwithstanding the lack of logic to support this allegation, we're just going to take the child's side. Well, why don't you just talk about the nuts and bolts in, in terms of, you know, you, you get a call from a CYF uh, investigator. A person um, does, the accused? The, the, the accused does, and what happens from there? They get a call. CYF usually wants to interview that person. And even if the accused has a lawyer, sometimes CYF still tries to connect with the person and not the lawyer. Um, so that detail needs to be acknowledged so that every time that person gets a call from CYF, they are referred to the lawyer. Mm -hmm. And a person, if they get a call from CYF about child abuse allegations, should most definitely have a lawyer. Um, and CYF conducts their investigation. Um, they talk to law enforcement. They talk to whoever the mandated reporter was who maintains anonymity throughout the investigation. Even though there is a mandated reporter, CYF does not disclose to anybody who it was. Um, and CYF tries to interview the accused. And from that investigation comes out with... A I've had them disclose to me who the person... They're not supposed to. Yeah, well, they do. Um, and CYF then can 
give two outcomes, unfounded, meaning there's not substantial evidence of child abuse, or indicated at that stage that there is substantial evidence of child abuse. If there is an indicated status, then the accused has a 90-day period from the Department of Public Welfare, or I guess it's the formerly the Department of Public Welfare in Pennsylvania. Now it's the Department of Human Services. They issue a notice saying we received notification. More acronyms. DHS. <laughs> yeah. DHS sends a notice saying we've received an indicated status of uh, indicated report of abuse from CYF. You have 90 days to appeal this or ask for reconsideration from CYF which I always ask for reconsideration first because, as you mentioned in the last episode, I like to create a record that the accused has done everything possible procedurally to date by the time a judge makes a good decision. Um, So first you can ask for reconsideration. CYF, you didn't conduct your investigation properly, and here's why. Please review this again. CYF, if, if you're asking for reconsideration, Prepare yourself that they're going to reconsider and they're going to say, no, we stand by our, our position. And you our think own. they actually reconsider? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, and then after you get the notice from CYF, you know, we reconsidered your case. You have a right to appeal to the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals. And that is really, even though it's an appeal, it's more of a trial court hearing because you are disputing evidence that your name should be on the child line registration registry as a perpetrator of child abuse. What happens if you lose there? If you lose there, then you can ask for reconsideration there. If you lose for reconsideration from the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals, you can, I'm sorry, you can ask for reconsideration by the Secretary of the Department of Human Services. Once they say we reconsider it and we stand by the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals decision, then you can appeal it to the appellate court, which is the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania. There's two appellate courts in Pennsylvania. One's a superior court One's the Commonwealth Court. Above those two is the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. But the Commonwealth Court is the court that inherits inherits the appeals of these Bureau of Hearing and Appeal cases, CYF cases, et cetera. And you handle most of our, um, by most I mean all, of our CYF uh, appellate work. Um, And in your uh, experience or in your practice, um, is it true that you try to exhaust along the way, um, every one of those reconsiderations and everything before you get to the point of appealing to the Commonwealth Court, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you could win at any point, right? Yeah. And, and we have. Yeah. We've, we have won. I mean, sometimes it's as, I don't want to say simple because it's never simple by the time you're at that stage. But sometimes it's as practical as by the time the case is on appeal to the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals, then a lawyer for CYF is involved. And then... It's somebody you can talk to and look at the case through a legal lens. Like, hey, this case is in the, usually it's in the context of a custody dispute. And here's where the credibility doesn't just, it has no weight by by, um, the complainant. And here's why my client is credible. And here's evidence to corroborate my client's side of the story and to disprove the complainant's side of the story. Usually the complainant is a child. Do you really want to put a child who's been in the middle of a custody dispute on the stand, oh, excuse me, just need to decline that, on the stand and put them under scrutiny and cross-examination in a, in, a, in a case where that child wasn't abused. 
Oftentimes, it's why would the mother of this child want this child to believe he or she was abused when he or she was never abused? If that mother really had good intention here and it wasn't really driven by a custody dispute, wouldn't that mother feel comfortable to know that the child was never abused? I mean, it's more, it's more of a practical argument. It's a logical argument. It's a legal argument. And you can make that with a CYF lawyer. They don't get involved, though, until the appellate process to the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals. And sometimes they agree, and they issue a letter of non-pursuit, and you don't have to move forward. But I've also had the experience where the lawyer's involved, and I get a call from the complainant child, who's a teenager, leaving me voicemails emails. Caroline, I know you represent so-and-so. I only made that accusation because I was mad at so-and-so because there were rules in the house or something like that. I send that voicemail to CYF. Look, the complainant said she or he made it up. And still, that kind of case can take months Mm -hmm. to get their attention and for them to come off of it. So it's any, it's any, phase, you never know what CYF caseworker you're working with, who their supervisor is, what solicitor for CYF is going to get involved. Uh, and solicitor what ep- meaning lawyer. Lawyer for CYF is going to get involved. And you want to exhaust every, every stage because to go to trial, to have a hearing before the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals is a really lengthy and costly process. And it, it can be damaging to a kid. Are they in Harrisburg kid. all the time or are they down here? They can be in Philadelphia. Okay. And then the last uh, um, recourse um, is the appellate route to the appellate courts. And the Commonwealth Court, in our experience, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong, um, is that the Commonwealth Court is, is exceedingly uh, fair and will give you a fair shake mm-hmm. if you have a BHA, you know, BS uh, uh, indicated uh, child abuse. The first case we ever did, it was the first case I ever had with you. And who knew? (laughs) And that's what I texted you the other day. Mm -hmm. Who knew this was going to become such a big part of the practice? Mm -hmm. But, and it wasn't a custody dispute, this first case. It Mm -hmm. was something entirely different. But the way the case was handled criminally and through CYF and the Bureau of Hearings and Appeals, and that's administrative. So CYF, all of that, the child line registry, that's an administrative court, whereas child abuse charges come through a criminal court. So the way the case was being handled administratively pretty much stripped our client from having any due process rights administratively. And notwithstanding the fact that we knew the administrative court was not going to hear anything we had to say. We exhausted every single stage. That's a great segue, because I want to go back to the article about due process. And I'm sorry if I'm muffled at times and not. I'm trying to manipulate my two masks following the CDC guidelines. I mean, try not to be muffled, because... Well, I have a muffled voice anyway. Okay, so back to the article. It's a system that raises constitutional concerns according to a new report from Community Legal Services of Philadelphia that calls for legislative reforms. Recommendations include requiring a hearing with legal representation before placing anyone on the list and restructuring the registry to separate minor cases from serious ones and neglect from abuse. Given the drastic increase in the number of employers running background checks and the particular impact 
on the same low-wage workers, especially women and people of color who have struggled most in the pandemic. That need is urgent, CLS employment attorney Janet Ginsburg said. Now is the time to be broadening job opportunities for low-wage workers, not making it harder for them to get jobs. This, uh, I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you that, you know, when I read these articles, um, I highlight stuff. And, and now then, you become unmuffled oh, to, to tell me something. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I read these articles, um, I'll highlight things and then I write notes to myself. I think I inherited that from my mother, who my mom will read. She's a voracious reader. And she'll write book reviews. Diane. Yeah, Diane. She'll write book reviews, which are hilarious because they're so simplistic. And there's normally like multiple exclamation marks. And my friend Timmy, who's an educator and also is a voracious reader, will borrow books from my mom. And the most enjoyment he gets out of them is her book reviews. But the point is that like I, I think I've inherited that because like there'll be times when I'll just write commentary in here. My commentary to this paragraph is please as in please but no i, I get it all I right get it. a spokesman for the state department of human services said it would take cls's recommendations into consideration within the framework provided by the legislature please How, however <laughs> the department said investigations conducted before submitting a name to the registry are thorough and professional and must be approved by the agency director and reviewed by the solicitor prior to submission. Please. Now, listen, I've encountered is that, some is that what you meant? very <laughs> reasonable and conscientious investigators. I've also encountered some investigators that wouldn't know how to investigate how to open this uh, water bottle in front of me. They're not always uh, thorough and professional, and there should be a hearing before with due process before you are placed on the registry this game of gotcha like this article it, it was i mean i think our county does a better job apparently than some of these other counties i can imagine how philadelphia handles these but the point is for you to be indicated for child abuse which if you've tried to coach your kid's sports team if you try to get a job in any way um, uh, dealing with children they're going to do a background check and you're on you're an indicated for child abuse you're not getting the job indicated it's, means you there's substantial evidence that you are according to an investigator who did a thorough and professional investigation that you are a the word who didn't is, even notify you that you were thorough that you were under investigation or bother to try to interview you is the point of this article i know but also the word for for being on the child line registry is that if you're on it there's substantial evidence that you are a perpetrator of child abuse mhm mm um even even this guy who's a uh, an advocate for child for you know center for child advocates support center for child advocates frank servone it is an important protective device um people and organizations can request clearances through the state he's required to do so for instance before hiring an advocate or recommending a foster parent anyone who is indicated as an abuser on the registry is and this is in quotes is radioactive but he agreed that reforms are needed to provide due process and differentiate minor from serious ones. The problem with the registry, he said, is it's built to be overbroad. Um, the consequences of that have become more dire in recent years following changes to Pennsylvania's Child Protective Services Law in response to the Jerry Sandusky scandal. 
the law broadened the types of jobs that require a check from childcare positions to any role involving, quote, routine interaction, end quote, with children. This has been interpreted as including janitors, home health aides, crossing guards, and jobs in the hospitals. But and they, then the article goes on to talk about how the, there's another example of people that, you know, um, were accused. Uh, the allegation they had locked their kids in a closet was false. The case was dismissed, but both discovered only later that the ruling did not clear them from the registry. Uh, the well, mother can't get a job. The father, uh, you know, they went to school for jobs that now they're, they can't get jobs. It's well, horrendous. It, it is. But um, one of the things this article left out is the implication to custody. Mm-hmm. Because there always has to be this, I think it's called an affidavit that's attached to custody petitions where you have to disclose whether or not you are under investigation criminally or through CYF and what the status of that investigation is. Um, but the two examples you were just giving is an example of somebody who is under the locking the kid in the closet under criminal investigation. The criminal investigation did not move forward. And notwithstanding the fact that the criminal investigation was dismissed or closed or what have you, the person was acquitted or null prost, there was a collateral administrative investigation unbeknownst or unrecognized by the person who was subjected to the criminal investigation that led them to ultimately be on this child line registry. And they find out later down the line when they try to apply for a job. I would submit that in no rational uh, world, should someone be placed on a registry and not at least know it? Now, I'm sure CYF will say, well, we sent a letter to their last known address. No, you, you have to, there has to be a court hearing in my estimation. And, and they should have to convince someone, even if it's a perfunctory hearing, which it probably would become, um, that probable cause exists. Because you're right, you said it a, a couple minutes ago, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution. They don't want to be the ones that say, ah, oh, you know what, it probably didn't happen and then have something happen. You know, human nature is what it is. Um, it's disappointing. I mean, you know, sometimes we have information that we want to share with, uh, with CYF, but we're also mindful of the fact that there's a pending criminal investigation and anything we share with CYF is undoubtedly going to be shared with the cops and with the prosecutor. So it's a strategic decision. And the priority is to keep, you know, the client out of jail or to prevent criminal charges. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a catch-22 frequently for clients. And it's frustrating at times because you'll share, you'll have an interview with a client and be like, wow, that was a great interview. There's mm-hmm. no way this is going to be indicated. And then we have to manage you, the client's expectations. Yeah, and then you get the indicated letter. Um, and so, you talk to the client about, you know, next steps after we get an indicated letter, mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do. And you get perplexed looks like, well, yeah. that just went really well. Yeah. Right. It, maybe and hopefully, but sometimes, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution. And we have to mentally prepare and strategically prepare for an indicated report that we're going to appeal. So, you know, this is a, a primary, I think that's, I was going to contradict myself, a primary collateral consequence. This is a collateral consequence that we deal with frequently. Um, there are also collateral consequences of licensure if we represent a professional uh, person, whether they be a physician, um, if, uh, there's a, a nurse. I, I've represented a yoga instructor that had like, there's a, I forget what the board was, but all those boards are based in Harrisburg. And we frequently have to uh, navigate, you know, the occupational concerns and the, an occupational investigation. Um, and that's another thing that we do. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it, but that's what I mean by collateral. In other words, we have a criminal case that we need to concentrate on. 
but we also have, you know, uh, your licensure to, to concern ourselves with. Sometimes we handle them. Sometimes they're more specialized and we'll get them to a lawyer that uh, we, we deem appropriate. Um, and that's another important part about practicing, you know, responsibly. If it's something that you can get the, the client to somebody who is the, you know, chiropractic board lawyer or something like that, then we find that lawyer for that person. On the other hand, if we want to argue it and the client's comfortable with us and, and we're comfortable with the fact that we got a good argument, then I've argued in front of the, and it wasn't called the yoga board. What was it called? Oh, boy. I forget what it was. It was fun. When was we this? We won. It was a long time ago. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank in terms of what particular board that was. But you and started course, this episode so strong. The educators, yeah, right. Well, again, my blood sugar's low. The other, uh, you know, frequently with the teachers, you argue uh, those cases. Those are extremely secret. I'm not allowed to even talk about them. Okay. Well, speaking of CYF, I have a call in 10 minutes. Okay. So let's wrap this up. Anything else you want to share? Uh, no, not that I can think of. Pete, this was a joy to be back uh, in the studio with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll look forward to the day when I don't have to wear two masks. Well, um, you have your first vaccination next week and mm-hmm. uh, second And I one? know I'm going to have a reaction because, you know. To I, the first I, or the psych, second? Psychosomatic. I'll, you know, I'll be like a mess. So I'll probably need to take a couple weeks off. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm just so perplexed. But I'll be able to play paddle tennis because I'm going to get the shot in my left arm. And then... Uh, Use that Advil for your wrist. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're signing off. Nice to uh, talk to everybody. And we'll be back with more episodes of Subject to Cross soon. If you have any questions, you can always feel free to reach out to us. I'm Caroline Donato. That's Pete Kratza. You can Google us and find our contact. Or you can email subject to cross at McElroy.com. Do you know we're on Spotify? Yes. Dude, I was like, I listen to Spotify exclusively. And, uh... I like their podcasts and just for like, you know, poops and giggles. I don't, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Shits and giggles? Yeah, I'd rather you I, say that. I, all right. Point is that I'm like, oh, I wonder if we're on here. And uh, there we are. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And iTunes and anywhere else. Apple wow. Music. and Man. I know. We probably have like at least 10 listeners, right? We Last time we had, we had the stats, it was pretty good. Yeah? I mean, we got to just keep doing it. People really need to find more productive things to do with their lives. I'll tell you, when we don't put content out, I, I get some probes. You no, know, when's really? the next episode? And wow. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're okay. big we're big time, Pete. We'll keep you know? doing it. All right. See All right. Ya. Signing off.